of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Darren, your host, and with me today are returning guests from minutes one and two. Uh, I have with me uh, Shannon Camp. Hello, Shannon. Hello. And also Phil Gonzalez. Hello, Phil. Hello. And um, today we're covering minute 23, which starts with Ty on the tennis courts being encouraged to hit a few balls. And it finishes with Cher um, beginning her introduction to everyone on the campus by pointing out that uh, that's Alana's group and they do the TV station. Uh, which of course they do because it's it's Beverly Hills so of course the school has a TV station so first of all um, before our minute actually starts um, about a second before we actually get into this minute Ty is introduced by the principal and he vanishes very quickly as our, as our minute starts he literally he's in one frame and then he's gone the next and I just wanted to mention that he is played by his name is Herb Hall and he is Mr. Hall. He is the inspiration for Wallace Shawn's character. Uh, he wasn't an actor. He was the um, he was the debate teacher at Beverly Hills High School for twenty seven years. Uh, he, ret- he retired about twenty years after this film came out, um, and he was friends with Amy Heckling. So uh, she said, "You know, come along and and just be this principal for twenty seconds," and. There he was. <laughs> and then he vanishes very quickly before our minute starts. That's super adorable, even though I can never pay attention to him because I'm always immediately distracted by the amazing black and white fashions in this scene. Uh, I haven't had a chance <laughs> to listen to the minute that comes before this. since Obviously, that episode hasn't aired yet, but... Did and did you guys talk about the gym uniforms? There was a lot of um, there was a lot of talk of this whole black and white thing that everyone seems to be in black and white, but no one's wearing the same thing. They're all wearing like variations on this uh, on this theme. But yeah, yeah that is really to, noticeable in this movie. I just have to chip in that that's an insane thing. First of all, like no gym uniforms. Everybody just wear black and white. Like it's a party Oprah's throwing or something. <laughs> I'm gonna assume then, that that's a a battle the school gave up a long time ago. <laughs> and then also the. Striping on Amber's pants is insane because not to be vulgar, when those wide stripes hit the crotch area, instead of doing something <laughs> that would just look normal, the stripes bend around in a yeah, way that kind of emphasizes the crotch area. And it's like an optical illusion. You cannot look away. I mean, I just had to throw that in. I, I'm obsessed <laughs> with Amber's costumes, and that is just such an odd, gross detail that I feel was completely intentional on the part of the costume designers so I really appreciate <laughs> it especially given the jokes made about her later on in this scene yeah and the th- and like everyone's wearing um like they've all got like knee-high socks on as well and it's 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 not it's really I, I guess like you say the school were like it's not worth fighting this just let them wear black and white whatever right, it is right well they're all you only know. standing in line anyway as Cher very astutely points out so it doesn't really matter they could be standing there in like kitten heels and feather boas and it wouldn't really make a difference because they just stand there you know half-heartedly hit the ball for Miss Stoger and then go back to paging each other I guess they're all playing with their devices but they can't text so I'm like what are you doing are you playing is there some sort of like Tetris game on your little little pagers yeah um i'd like to point out as well that Cher has got and this becomes like quite um like really obvious later on in the scene she's got like a little um uh, i don't know how i describe it it's like a little sling for her phone she's got like a little phone case mm-hmm. on a gold chain uh the the case itself has got like uh gold 
like uh, highlights around the edges and stuff, gold trim, I guess you would say. And when when Ty comes over to them, she she takes it like as they get to the end of the minute, she, just before that we um, we go to them walking along and introducing everyone to the to being shown the ropes at. Uh, she she um she like takes it out, takes her mobile phone out, and, and starts playing around with it. And it's it's like everyone has got pages on there. Amber has, as you say, you know, she has these weird stripes, but she also has a gigantic pager sitting on her <laughs> her shorts. Yeah, um, yeah. And she has a, a little red star in the middle of her her um her top as well. So she's accenting with um, a star that matches the color of her pager case, which is really weird. Amber's costumes almost always have a lot of red or maroon in them. And I think mm-hmm. that's intentional on the part of the costume designer trying to make it clash with her hair as much as possible to play up how <laughs> obnoxious this character is. Like, a great costuming trick is if you have a character who's supposed to be repugnant, make it hard for the audience to even comfortably look at them. No, I was going to so... say the exact same thing. She, uh, She's quite... It's quite deliberate on the on the costumer's part that she uh, she's garishly and vulgarly dressed like her clothes are almost a parody of the clothes of the girls immediately to their left and right and they're already a parody of the actual teens of the time right right uh (laughs) she's she's clownish in her uh in her getup but like if i saw any of the other girls walking around in real life i probably wouldn't give it like it probably wouldn't even register just it's just something that a teen would wear i assume but her clothes are so ostentatious. Uh, she's got this little like weird jacket over her, over her her, her stripes, which are so unflattering. Yeah. Like everything about this outfit is unflattering. <laughs> on her. I'm obsessed. And actually, in this scene, Cher has arguably the most low key and toned down outfit of all the girls. She looks like a girl you could see walking down the street now, and you wouldn't even. Yeah, she looks like she's still in yoga that and I, Yeah. So uh, I think that. It, they do a lot to always paint Amber as Cher's foil, even mm-hmm. with those subtle costuming cues. I love it. I mean, there's a reason why the fashion <laughs> in this movie is so timeless. And it's because it just not only are there many memorable outfits, but they always uh, really like I don't know if it sounds like hyperbole to say this, but the costumes totally advance the plot. And I think it's important in a group shot like this that. It's it's interesting how the the eye is drawn to Cher, considering she's the least ostentatiously dressed. And I think that's important because it's so vital that the audience uh, can relate to her. And it's so difficult to to paint a character like her in a way that an audience can relate to, that to keep her this simple uh, immediately causes sympathy for you amongst as compared to all the rest of the characters who look a little cartoonish she looks she looks ordinary so your sympathies automatically go with her and Cher and Dion are wearing outfits on top that are foils of each other like Cher has a white t-shirt with a black tank top over it and Dion has a black t-shirt with a white tank top over it which I think is very important for the next moment when uh you know Cher talks about the possibility of taking um, Ty under their wing and Dion talks about their stock plummeting like it really emphasizes them as a collective unit that makes decisions together like it's almost like they're business partners if the business were being popular <laughs> well while we have Amber on screen and we only get one line in these five minutes from Amber oh, um, which is of course the dig, so the dig at Ty <laughs> where she's like Miss Doga says uh, you could hit a few balls in those clothes and uh, Amber, of course, says she could be a farmer in those clothes. I'm not doing the same delivery because I don't think I she can. She could be a farmer in those clothes. Very good. Uh, and 
<laughs> now, here's the thing. To me, I've now this might be me reading way too much into this film, but we're doing a minute by minute podcast, so I feel that's uh, a <laughs> that death. ship has sailed, Darren. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the novel, um, Emma Harriet Smith, who of course is is the character that is Ty in this film, uh, ends up marrying a farmer. So, in the novel, Harriet becomes a farmer's wife. So. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's a deliberate call out to Robert Martin I feel being a farmer. Yeah, it's, that's well, that's why I thought it might be. So, yeah, um, I think the, that because uh, the screenplay really the plot of it is so true to the novel Emma. I feel that when you see those little winks that almost feel like they could be coincidences, it's intentional. Like, even stuff, yeah. thinking about Amber, who's obviously supposed to, she gets together with Elton later. She's the character Augusta Elton. And I was like, Amber, Augusta, yeah, they probably just change it to another A name. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really do feel that it's a pretty, most things are a pretty direct yeah. transfer over. Now, I'm going to say, um, obviously, you know, we'll get, we've got a lot of Ty this week. So we'll get into more of the kind of Ty Harriet Smith stuff in a later episode. Because I just really wanted to get into the... Um, I'm going to say the drug stuff that's in this minute because mm-hmm. there's a lot of it. And, um, you know, like T- Ty is like um, she's freaking because she's in California, obviously. And, and she, she does could really that use in the cutest way. I'm freaking <laughs> like Brittany Murphy is so adorable. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, I just had to get and... that out. <laughs> no problem. And then she she really could use some sort of herbal refreshment. Now, Dion, <laughs> Dion, I don't know if Dion is deliberately being obtuse, but she's like, you know, we do lunch in 10 minutes, but we don't have any tea, which, of course, um, you know, that's not what Ty is talking about. And then we get the wonderful exchange where she's like, we have Coke and stuff. And Ty <laughs> misunderstands this and is like, no shit, you've got you've got Coke here. And it's like, Dion's like, yeah, and Cher, I love her. He's kind of sort of not totally engaged in this conversation. He's like, yeah, it's America. And it's just it's just one of the best jokes. Uh, I just want to say briefly, I do think that Dion is not being uh, purposely obtuse. I think she's being sincere because, you know, both Cher and Dion are virgins, as the movie makes very clear. Uh, Cher talks to Ty about how it's one thing to get, you know, laced at a party now and then, but you don't want to be stoned all day. I really feel that uh, Cher and Dion are a little bit almost, like, sheltered. They go to parties and stuff, but they're pretty outside most of the, like, hardcore sinning that you would associate with most teen movie debauchery. I mean, Dion... Has Murray's mom on speed dial and is not afraid to drag her into a situation. So I just I think that both the girls are a little more goody two shoes than they see themselves. Yeah. Um, now, the, the, of course, we get um, the first kind of um, indication that Cher is uh, growing as a person because um, when she suggests that they make over, I mean, she hasn't said it yet, but obviously that's where they're heading. When she says that they make over Ty, she says. And obviously Dion, as you say, says our stock would plummet. She goes, don't you want to use your popularity for a good cause? Which is a direct quote of what Josh said right. about Marky Mark planting a tree for a good cause. Um, oh, well, that, reference funny... would, that reference would change over the years, but I'm sure you've already covered that. That, uh, yeah. that is my younger brother's favorite line from the film about Marky Mark making some room in his busy pants dropping schedule. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's funny because... 
Yeah, I mean it's gone. It was been, it was gone over quite in detail. I'm so. sure. I am sure. Uh, I know. I don't want to intrude yeah. on anyone else's minute. It's just so hard not to appreciate yeah. like everything that comes up because <laughs> I love Clueless. In case you hadn't noticed. So yeah, so you know that's the first indication that Cher is taking on the advice of someone and is kind of using it. I mean, I would say for good, but um, you know, we all kind of know where this tie thing is heading, and it it kind of doesn't end in a good place. But and then the most important thing is we actually get the name of the high school, uh, which is called Bronson Alcott High School, and it's named for two different people, uh, one of whom has literary ties, uh, which is uh, Amos uh, Bronson Alcott who was um, the father of Louisa May Alcott. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, does that reference. But also, apparently, Amy Heckling at the time was dating Bronson Pinchot, and so she named the school Bronson for him. So, (laughs) Wow. It's the (laughs) unlikeliest of references. He just threw way too much information at me in one (laughs) sentence. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's the name of the school is... Uh, and of course, you know, in reality, it's Beverly High, it's Beverly Hills High School, which is, was where Amy Heckling went to school. It was where Alyssa Silverstone went to school. And it was where, um, uh, what's his face, Travis uh, Breckenmeyer, who we'll be seeing in the next minute in great detail. He uh, he also went to school there. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, people coming back to their old school here. And when we cut to the next little part where Cher and Dion are walking down the main walkway, and they point out Alana's group. I did notice that there's a girl with a chin plaster and a girl with a nose plaster clearly have had some work done to their faces walking past. Oh, yeah, you see quite a um, bit of that, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of... There's always... If, there's, if they're outside and there's groups of people, there's always someone doing that. Yeah. Uh, and then on the left of the screen, there's a guy all in denim rollerblading, um, <laughs> which which just stuck out to me because I was like, oh, so... So, you know, rollerblading, super popular in 1995. It was. That's just a few more little kind of things. Shannon pointed out how adorable uh, Brittany Murphy is in the scene. But I think they also did a really good job at making her look, as as Dion says, toe up. Yeah. She looks like she hasn't slept in a while. Um, and it was surprising the first time I saw this. You don't usually see a character, especially in a teen comedy who really looks like they may have been up all night on some kind of illicit substance. Like she looks a little out of it and it really, I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful the way they, they work that for the, uh, you know, when you see her transformation, um, but they don't make her look, you know, she's not Hollywood. She's not Hollywood tore up. She's, she looks like someone you would see at school the next day wearing her troll doll shirt. looks like she just, roll out of bed <laughs> yeah i just thought about this today while i was re-watching this scene i think my like early teenhood obsession with this movie hinges on this moment when sharon dion beckon tie over and make her their friend because like i talked about uh the last time i was on this show i feel like in every teen movie they make the popular girls so so mean and even if they redeem themselves it's just not the same thing it's so nice to watch a movie about teens where they're nice to each other and where being nice can make you popular and well-liked because 
honestly, like, I have seen that bear out in real life. Yeah, high school is tough, and there's probably, you know, reasons from my own life why the idea of a not-so-popular girl being accepted by the popular girls seemed great. But I also think that teens get a bad rap, and a lot of teens are really nice and do look out for each other and reach out to each other. So I just, this is why I love the movie. It has such a good heart. And before we finish this minute, I just want to point out that um, the TV group, yes. um, Alana's <laughs> group, um, which has no fewer than two people in wearing, um, both wearing plaid and Kangol hats at the same time. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, the guy in the backwards hat uh, yeah. with the glasses and the, uh, the, the plaid on. What looks like, like Star... It, what looks like a Starbucks in his hand as well, but I don't think it is a Starbucks. Uh, he's like it. low rent Seth Rogen. Like, <laughs> I, I, he, that guy is like my, he's like my personal hero. Like I see that guy and I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's who I wanted to be at one point. It's like this like pseudo intellectual looking guy with like a little like scruff and glasses and a backwards hat on. Like in the 1990s, I was like, yes, yes, that's my masculine ideal. Like that guy right there. Like hanging out on the quad with computers, drinking your coffee. Yeah. yeah, they have they have one large computer, which I assume is meant to be some kind of laptop, sitting in front of the uh, the redhead girl. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I, they never indicate which one of these girls is Alana. I'm gonna guess it's the one who's not who is in front of the computer. Um, oh I, really? I, I was. Th- sense to I, I guess I was thinking it might it be the, the woman one. in the middle that they're all kind of circled ah. around, but. Uh... I don't, I don't cuz she seems to be the the girl in front of the computer seems to be doing something and telling them something. Yeah. Um so and then as the shot finishes she puts a cigarette in her mouth but it doesn't appear to be lit. So <laughs> I don't know what's going the, on with the that. The casual smoking on the uh on the quad was like a big Yeah. Like you would Yeah, that's insane I, to me. I can't even imagine living in that world. <laughs> but it's also part so, of the cartoony aspect of it cuz I'm like to me like maybe they in real life, they wouldn't allow smoking on campus in high school, but in this world, the kids look intelligent enough that they could get away with it. But you know what? Yeah. Like, I was in a college lecture hall once at the university where I went to school, and some kid seriously started vaping in the middle of class, in the middle of a <laughs> lecture. So the new oh. millennia has its own struggles. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, do you have anything else to add to this minute? Because I think that we've got some juicy stuff coming up in tomorrow's yeah. minute. So I, I really got to save it for the juicy. next episode. So make sure you tune yeah. in if you're listening to this one. Keep going. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm going to go for plugs then. And I'm going to start with Shannon. Shannon, do you have the plug? Well, my uh, podcast that Darren produces, Stage of Fools, which is about E's first scripted television show, The Royals, uh, just finished its regular run until the fall. So if you haven't listened to it already and you want to kind of dive in and binge and catch up, that's available on iTunes or uh, the podcast feed of your choice. And Phil, I know that you have an episode that recently came out that you want to plug. Uh, Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast, my podcast about the Berenstain Bears, just hit its 50th episode landmark. And uh, we had Mike Berenstain on. He is the uh, the son of the uh, creators of the Berenstain Bears, who currently has been doing the, uh, the books now for the last few years. Uh, I had him on as a guest. It was a very exciting interview. And um, have you convinced him to stop at this point so that you don't have to keep doing these episodes forever? (laughs) No, I am going to be doing the show, I guess, until uh, retirement age. Okay, well, um, the only thing I have to plug is me being on this podcast this week and in previous weeks. Uh, So, you know, 
Um, but otherwise, uh, thanks for joining me today. I hope you can both come back for tomorrow. Of course. We'll be here. And uh, that's us. Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It's produced and edited by Darren Husted. This episode was hosted by me, Darren Husted, with my guests, Phil Gonzalez and Shannon Camp. Like us on Facebook at As If, the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram, As If podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or the podcasting app of your choice. And please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.